Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Inside the episode today, David and I are going inside See No Evil. Don't be intimidated by that conversation. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. <laughs> so, uh, David, in this episode, you talked about how people continually ask you the question, how do I see my vision? Why they would ask you that, I have no idea because you're not them. <laughs> so yeah. they have to see the vision for themselves. With comes with it a whole slew of questions behind it we don't have to get into. But in the episode, you said that if you can't see the vision you want for yourself, you're in resistance, which comes down to you not being up to doing what it takes to get what you want. That's a problem. So how difficult is it for a person to come to this realization? And does it require a coach like yourself looking from the outside to bring it into awareness. Like you can't tell a person what their vision is, but at least you can let them know that what they're doing now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, does it, no, it doesn't require a coach. I just want to say that right off the bat. It does not require a coach. It does require an adjustment in one's thinking and it, re, it would require that a person is um, honest about what they're actually thinking about. So, so, so let me dig into this for a second. It's a very, it's a very big question. I get it a lot and I've gotten it for a couple of decades now. Um, and I remember when I was in that place, like, what do I really want? I don't know what I want. When a person is in the place of not knowing what they want, not seeing a vision of a goal or something that they're interested in, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the idea of maybe their purpose in life. When I say that they are they're 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 stuck in a way where their thinking is not progressing forward to anything that they recognize, and I say they're resisting something, generally I'm pointing to you're resisting something in the area of being, doing, or having. Like what is it that you're actually resisting? Because the universe doesn't hold anything back from you. So when a person says, I can't see the vision, one of the questions that I want to know is what vision are they looking for, right? How would they know if they saw their vision? Like, how would you know? If you, if you don't know what it is, right. how would you know if you knew, if you, if you were seeing it? How would you know that it was your vision? How do you know you're not seeing your vision, right? So the problem can be that they actually, it's not that they don't see it, it's that they have actually rejected it because it's come to them and they don't know how they're going to get it or they don't think that they can or should or whatever, that they go, no, that can't be it. When actually that was it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's something in their mind that's not congruent with the idea of what they've experienced that they literally push it away. I had this, I had this experience myself the first time back in, I think it was like 92, 93, that I went to a Tony Robbins seminar I went in there and I was like completely out of my element. Like this was, it was so, it was so different than I had, than anything that I had ever experienced. And when he came out and he was teaching, I was like, that is still cool. Like how cool would it be to do that for a living? Right. And in that same breath, 
I pushed it out of my mind because as I thought about it for a second, I thought, Jesus Christ, how the hell would anybody even get to like from where I am to that? Like, there's no way. And I went, push it out of my mind. Right and on. I never considered it again until I actually decided that that's what I wanted to do for a living years later. But I could not, because I couldn't put those pieces together, I was actually seeing the thing that I was put here to do. But because I was, I was actually saying it to myself, I don't know how I would do it. I, I just pushed it away. And I went for years, T, going, I want, like, what business should I start? Damn it, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do something else? And it was right there the whole time. But I was literally rejecting something of it, right? I was resisting what it was. So that's what it is with everybody. It's not that it's not there. It's that there's something about it that you're resisting. And until you become conscious of what you're resisting, it's not going to come in. But it is there. It's there for everybody. Yeah, so how did you... So that's that's interesting. I never heard you really frame it that way. Like, you, it was presented to you in such a way, you're like, that would be so damn cool. Next thing you know, it's like, nope, can't do that. Maybe your head went to the how. I don't know if it I did. could ever... Yeah, your self, self-worth self comes into play. You weren't as, you know, steeled in your sage wisdom at that point. I could not see where... So, I, so here's what I did. It took me five seconds. I compared where I was in my life in that moment to where he was in his success. And I said, how the fuck would I ever go from where I am right now to there? And because I couldn't even see the first step, right? I just completely rejected it. Yeah. Like it didn't, I didn't give my mind any time to dwell on it. It was like, no, they're like that. It seems so impossible that I, I didn't even sit with it and go, well, no, wait a minute. Is this really impossible? No, I was like, no, right? There's just no way. Bye. Yeah. And I was off to the next thing. Sure. When you make comparisons, I think this happens so often with people. I do it myself. You know, you look at someone who has something that you may want, and then you think to yourself all the things they had to do to get there, and you're looking at them at this position, and you're at this position, and you can't even remotely see no way. what's happening, you just dismiss it, That's even it. though the universe is putting that in front of you for a purpose and a reason. Instead of you stopping and saying, hmm, isn't this interesting? What do I need to learn from this? You immediately shut it out. And then years and years and years later, you finally get to that place where, yeah. oh, okay. But yeah, you're right. Like, how would a person know what their vision is? They may have already seen it, but they threw it off to the side and just sort of cast away. So yeah, that's... I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, you got to just find the awareness around it. You really have to stop and pause and say, okay, what, what do I need to learn from this? Or what can I see in this? Or, yeah. you know, you, it's not something that just, I guess I shouldn't say, maybe it does hit people like right away, this is what I was meant to do. But some people really have to get quiet yeah. and to listen to themselves and see what it is. You clearly did that. I think that some people, you're right, some people do see it. And some people even see it at a young age, and they know, like, mm. at four years old, I wanted to be an actor, or I wanted to play the drums, you do hear or that what? A lot. Yeah. So, yeah. but what generally happens is that a person is being told so much about the rules of life and what's possible and what's not possible. By the time they actually start thinking about, hmm, what am I going to do with my life? There's so many reasons that they can't do whatever they're they're their purposes in life or whatever it is that they really would love that they just can't, they won't spend any time considering it because it's almost like a waste in time. Like I know I'm never going to be a brain surgeon. So why would I even think about it? Right. 
it's it's almost like a completed decision of it's not going to happen. Don't entertain the idea because I have to focus on something that is practical. Right. And how I how I perceive practical is going to be dependent upon how was I guided in that thought when I was a kid? What did my parents do? What did I hear them approve of or disapprove of? What did I hear them make fun of or not make fun of? How did they view success? What was success in their mind? Uh, what was ethical as far as making money, what you should do for a living? How do you, sh- you know, like there's a lot in there to unpack for the average individual. So it, there's, it's, it's, it's not even that it's their fault. They're not even consciously doing anything. They're just processing the world the way mom and dad process the world. And the thing that they really want's out, like, yeah, not there. hundred percent. Yeah. And I, as you say that, um, there's a part of me that becomes frustrated because I'm all about the safety play, you know, because yeah, what I are. pulled out of there, what I pulled out of you when I heard that was you, I never really took a lot of risks. And still to this day, I assess risk very much differently than anybody else who's sitting in the seat across from you for sure. Like my wife is the exact opposite. Steph is the exact yeah. opposite. She uses risk to pull things in. I use risk as a way to push things away from me. So as I hear you saying all these things, it really is. And that's not for me. That was given to me by my parents and I've just adopted it and taken it on as my own. So I need to do some soul searching myself to figure out in what area of my life I can start entertaining the idea of taking risks and just doing the thing and proving that these universal laws I've been hearing you talk to me about for the better part of a decade now are genuinely real and they do work. And I know that they work, but I still keep my risk at arm's length. It's so interesting. Well, you know, you know, the, you know, they work, from the perspectives, from the perspective of the ones that you have felt comfortable employing sure. in your life, and you don't know that they don't work from what you're still afraid of, and yet you've had a weird experience that um, your wife has basically taken all of them and attempted to see how they work as it pertains to the things that she desires in her life. So she's really stretched the the boundary of that. And you have, and because of that, you've benefited from that in a tremendous way. Um, Oh, many, in many tremendous ways. But I think that, I think that you should give yourself a little more credit because I hear you put that always back on her to some degree. And the truth is, is that you, if you think about this, T, it's yes, you had because I remember when I remember when Steph came to work for me, and it really started looking like this was a good this like this was a, a thing meant to be right yeah, fit. You had to make decisions about what you were doing, True. you know, and there was a lo- there was it was a, a, a long a progression of where you were in your mind about this whole situation and her coming over here, um, you leaving what you were doing, you know, giving up insurance, mm-hmm. you know, all this type sure. of stuff, which scared the bejesus out of you. That's true, right? Scared oh, the bejesus out of you, 100%, right? yes. Right. So even though you, you believed her to whatever degree that you believed her, it was still a risk for you to go along with her because had she been wrong, yes, you'd have been able to say, see, you were fucking wrong, but 
you would have still had to do something about it from your position of being a husband and a father. You'd have had to, you'd have had to like right. rebuild your life. That's true. From that aspect. Yeah. So it, there was a risk. You did take on risk yeah. there because it wasn't all her. If had she had it not worked, had she gone bankrupt, it wasn't just her going bankrupt. You have to go back to work. You whether it was being a teacher or, or working at a Seven Eleven, you know, filling Slurpees. Sure. You'd have had to go do something. So you should consider the fact that you actually did take that risk on to some degree mm. as far as responsibility. Was she the primary income earner? Yeah. But you worked. You, you decided to move into the industry a little bit. You went and worked with, with Barry for, mm-hmm, for some sure. time. Yeah. Um, you, you've done some different things here and there. You've learned. You, you've progressively moved. So look at it holistically. Don't just take it and throw all of it in the shitter because that's not 100% true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I do that so often, way too often I do that to myself. Yeah, I'm always pinning it on Steph. Like, Steph did it right. I didn't necessarily do it her way, so my way was wrong and all these other sorts of things. But you're right. When you stop and, and think about it, you know, any sort of positive growth, any sort of, uh, you know, growth journey is going to require risk. You're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to say, I want to do this thing. And finding out what that thing is. I mean, to this day, having still, you know, been learning from you for all these years, I still... You know, when people ask me, well, what do you want to do next? I don't quite know. I'm waiting to be shown what that is. And I think that's part of just life. I think that you just don't exactly know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You don't even, you don't know what's coming next. No, because look, here's the deal. That is, that is the idea of somebody who's consistently needs to be in control of their life from the aspect of I've got it together and here's all these things that I'm going to do. I gave that up a long time ago, and I wait for the universe to show me what's next. And what I here's what happens. I know what's next by how my interest gets turned on, how my desire gets turned on, and the opportunities that start to show up in front of me. And then I just follow them. Yeah. And it's almost always fantastic. When I stick my two cents into the situation and I start going, well, maybe I could do this, and maybe I could do that. Yeah, maybe you could... But if you start going down, if I start going down that road, I'm off center for where my spirit is meeting with the universe at any given time. And it's always, it's not a disaster. Uh, It used to be a disaster a long time ago. It's not a disaster now, but I definitely get indications that I made a left turn when I should have went right. Yeah, there's there's like a tuning fork that goes off in your body. You know if you're excited about something. I mean, it's why this podcast was born. It's why your media company's thriving. It's why all these things happen when at first a lot of people around you are like, you're kind of crazy. And I'll admit I was one of those like, what the hell are we doing? We're doing this. Are you sure? And here we are because you were steadfast in your approach that this is what it was and it was bringing you closer. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do this thing forever. Like my mind has a a struggle with the attachment of I'm going to start this thing. And when you start this thing, you're going to finish it. I'll use teaching as an example. When I became a teacher, I was going to be a lifer for a teacher. There was no other way because you start something, you finish it. And in my opinion, finishing it was you retire miserable 35 years. Right. So the reality of that was, you know, I was looking at it, it when it's course, and that was enough. It went 11 years. I'm very proud of my 11 years yeah. in the classroom. But it took me to significantly realize that 
it's not going to last always forever. There can be other things you can do. And I think that's the beauty of what it is that you do here is you allow people or give people the space to see what it is that they can accomplish and know that I'm really excited about this thing. And that excitement may only last for maybe two, three years, yeah. maybe two, three months. But hey, during that time, I'm going to give my all here. And then it's going to show me the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and so on and so forth. I love that. I think that's a beauty. But I had to detach from my obsessive compulsive nature and be like, this is what it's going to be. Stay with the plan, stick with the plan. Right. And that's not how it works. Right. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So cool. All right, well, getting back into this episode, you know, you talked, I love this, uh, spirit always tells you what to move toward. Uh, you said fear always tells you what to move away from. So you got spirit moving you toward something, fear telling you to move away. Right. And then you've got ego, you said, that can go either way. Can you explain that a little bit, like what you mean by spirit moving toward, fear moving away, and then ego can kind of ride that Yeah. Middle? So... The idea with ego is it's basically the side of our personality that was created out of years of living within um, uh, the spectrum. Well, let, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go back to our childhood. We're living in the spectrum of our parents and us developing based on what that environment looked like. So... What ends up happening is the subconscious mind is extremely good at pattern recognition. The very base component of it is designed to keep our keep ourselves alive and to keep the species moving forward. So there's only, there's a few things that it does, and one of them is that it's hyper aware of fear and anything that could be a threat and danger, and we learn those patterns very quick, and then it gives us options to get the hell out if that happens. Now. On the other side of that is that it is becoming aware of what it needs to do in order to stay safe to get your needs met through life. And, they, and your needs are coming from your parents at that moment. But the side of ourselves that is like our true self that wants to completely develop, that is here to live a purpose, how that comes out or, or gets hidden is really dependent upon how much of this thing that we call the ego is safe with it coming out, right? Because it's, it's, its first objective is to keep you as a human being alive, right? And if there's anything that threatens the idea of you being cut off from the needs that you need to get met, which is from your parents, it begins to recognize that pattern and adjust, and it creates the personality that you need to be to be in harmony with the people in that environment in order to get your needs met. So this is thousands of different incarnations with, you know, billions of people on the planet. And when we walk out at 20, 25 years old, even 30 years old, and we're, we're walking out into the world as an adult, we have this very strange mixture of part of it being our true self. And there's this ego that has developed in order for us to feel safe in the world, but it's projecting this false creation of our of us that we've created because it's not safe for the true self to come out. We haven't figured out how to do that yet. So as we step out there, the ego can be either it can feel safe or not safe. And what it wants to step into or pull away from really kind of is dependent upon that. Now, What's, what else is fascinating about this is that the ego kind of changes a little bit. As a person goes through their childhood, one of the things that they develop 
is what we call a role, right? So um, a role being that it's kind of like, if you think role model, what it is is that you're modeling a behavior that is adjusting the personality of the people that you're with so that you're not being rejected, but you're being accepted. Also, what it can do is it can attempt to influence or manipulate the people that you're around if they're in some kind of behavior that you feel threatened by because the ego has attempted so many times to run an alternate pattern to see how somebody else responds. So let's say you're raised in this environment where mom is codependent, dad's a raging alcoholic. Every so often, dad comes home completely shit-faced and starts beating up on mom. And you develop this pattern by, okay, here's the pattern. Dad shows up four hours late for dinner. He comes in. Mom's pissed. She's quiet. He starts engaging with her. And we always know that when he engages with her, when he's drunk, he starts putting her down. She starts crying. Then he starts yelling. Then he starts hitting. So we start trying different things to alternate alternate from uh, that situation happening to dad doing something different. And we find out that if we get sick right after dad comes home, he doesn't hit mom. So I developed this pattern of saying, but I'm not conscious of this. I just start getting sick every time dad comes home so that he doesn't beat up my mother, right? So now I've developed this role of being sick when I've ever, I feel threatened by something. So now I'm 30 years old and I'm having trouble keeping a job because every time I get threatened at work, I get sick and they're tired of me being sick and my job's on the line, right? Or I've been so threatened by it that every time I walk out of the house, I'm afraid to get sick. Or I developed this pattern and I'm so threatened by it that now the COVID is here, I can't even function because I'm so terrified that you know, there's some way I'm going to get this thing and I can't even move anymore. That is a role, seeing myself as a sick person, right? Using it to manipulate. And then it works when I'm a kid because it stopped dad from hitting mom. But I don't know how to not be that when I'm threatened as an adult because nobody ever taught me, right? So that's like one sign of how the ego can show up with this personality that's no longer, that no longer knows how to function, right? right. So the idea is that it can morph into various different behaviors and sometimes it can help us do the right thing and other times not. If we start to understand what are the different behaviors that are mixed into that part of our personality, we can change them. It's not that difficult to do it. We can change them and literally we can drop all the falseness around the ego and just be honest to who we are and allow ourselves to be in any situation and be who we are without being pissed off if somebody doesn't like it. So that's I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, totally. That's the game. I mean, being honest and honest and vulnerable is the game. And it's one of the most difficult things in my life. And I'm sure a lot of people out there probably feel the same way. It's just a matter of doing it and doing it repeatedly. And well, I think it's so difficult for people to be honest. It, well, is it, it so really is difficult. Well, that's why social media is the way that it is. You know, it's a human highlight reel of all the great things, but you don't see the shit that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. It's just we're putting this stuff in front of people so they can say, oh, I wish I were them, when in actuality it's a lot of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, it's it's a really fascinating, you know, conversation, and I love that you explained it. And what a great example, like the great example you gave. Very few people would be able to connect 
their sickness per se that came from a pattern of you trying to keep you and your family safe yeah. when dad was going off, you know, off the rails, right? So, but that's happening to a lot of people, more and more people, if they, that's why I love, you know, that you work so well with these roles and, and getting people to identify like, oh, I was the, the peacekeeper in my family. Yeah. That was my role. And being able to realize how you're showing up in your business and how you're showing up in your relationships is connected to something that you acquired after the age of seven in your childhood home. So it's just, it's, 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 conversations like this that I feel like really help people say, take pause and say to themselves, hmm, where else has this shown up in my life and what can I connect it back to? And when they, when they realize that, when that light comes on and those floodgates open, man, there is so many things that change so rapidly. Absolutely. I think it's so freaking cool. Yep. Well, I love that uh, you talk about the, you know, vision and belief very much in this episode and the lack of vision and belief always shows up at what you're not willing to do. And you talked about the two principles that are really quite simple. You know, ask yourself these two questions. Am I able and am I willing? And you've done a podcast before on am I willing and am I able? Can you quantify just how important those two questions are when you're faced with like a decision of maybe a pivot in your business, maybe you're going into business for yourself. Am I able versus am I willing or the two together? Um, I mean, because there is clearly a difference between being able to do something and being willing or are they the same? How, how would well, I think they go they go together. And you're are you asking me how important? It yeah, is? like yeah. Oh, it's essential. It's absolutely essential. essential. Yeah. If you can't you have to answer those questions to some degree in order to move forward and be successful. If you do not answer those questions, generally you won't because the first thing that triggers you or causes you any kind of distress or that you view as a risk or a reason you will not move forward. And and those are the people that that stay stuck, those are also the people that sometimes actually do move forward to some degree, but then fail shortly after. If you look at the amount of people that go into business and fail in the first year, it's astronomical, the number of people that fail. And it's not that the business is that risky. It's that they're that risky because they have not uh, really understood where they are in their own development in order to take on the responsibility of something like a business. And I don't say that to, to, to make anybody nervous. I, may, I really want people to think about who they really are when they're thinking about, I am going to go into business around this. Most people have no idea what they're actually taking on as far as the growth and the changes that they need to make in order for that business to be successful. And if they don't make them, it's almost a guarantee it will fail because at some point you're going to hit a place in that business that you can't step into because it is either you don't have the skill or you're too afraid or you don't have the ability to be resourceful enough. And the, the, here's the deal with business. It constantly changes at an amplified uh, result and an amplified way of showing up because, um, well, let's look at it like this. The idea of business is to solve a problem with a product or a service for another person. The world is changing. The problem is changing. The people are changing. The product or service is changing. Employment's changing. Laws are changing. Uh, the availability of resources is changing. Who is competing for what you do is changing. Technology is changing. Everything that affects this business is changing consistently. 
So if you're not changing, the first time that it changes in a place that you're not ready to deal with, it's done. It's over. It's it. Sure. It's cause and effect. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, this happened with me when I entered into a franchise business uh, a decade or so ago because Tell everybody I, what it was. It was I, were, I, I owned an Edible Arrangements franchise in southern Wisconsin, and I, that was my ticket out of teaching. I needed to have something to do, so I was going to buy in. I originally was just going to be the manager, but then I started running spreadsheets being the math nerd that I was. Pretty and fruit, I realized. Though. Yeah, <laughs> pretty fruitful, exactly. I thought it was going to be fruitful. Little did I know that the bubble of 08 was going to burst and that was going to hamstring yes, me from the yes. get-go. But what I what I pulled out of that experience was you can only have, you can only bring positivity so much. Like I'm an exuberant guy. I was very positive. But if you asked me to sell myself or sell my product, <laughs> I would piss in my pants. Yeah, you know. So it was very, very difficult. So that was where I learned where I stopped, you know, and and it's so coincided with meeting you around that same time. I stepped away from that, trudged through the 10 years, didn't take a single penny out of that goddamn thing. And then we were able to get, let it go. Steph gives me such great perspective on this. We needed that experience to be able to be where we are today. We needed to go through that. And I still deem it, maybe not rightfully so as a failure in my opinion, because I didn't take any money out of it. It only, you know, put money in. But what I did get out of that was exuberance and excitement can only take you so far. And when you are struggling against something, you got to figure out, I need to go out and start selling myself. I need to sell my product. I need to go knock on doors. I've never been a door knocking person. So when you said that, you know, and this brings it back to the ego and the willingness and am I able, I was, I felt like I was willing to do what it takes. But when, when the rubber met the road, I felt like I wasn't able because of all those patterns. Like my mom worked in the banking industry for decades and she was so afraid to make a sale. She had to eventually leave that because they were forcing her to make sales every day. If you don't make a certain amount of sales, even if you've been working for the company for 35 years, if you're not making, if you're not opening a new checking account or opening a new savings account every single day, you're freaking done. They're, they're, they're phasing you out because these young people, they know how to sell. These influencers, these people you see on YouTube that are busting their ass, they know how to sell. And they're growing up in a world where selling is the most important thing. For me, in that franchise, man, I so was hamstrung by that ability. And I was afraid. Yeah. And thankfully, I was able to navigate myself through it. And I brought on the right people to do the sales for me and to keep the, the, the business afloat. But man, it was one of those situations where willingness and able were not <laughs> hand in hand. Yep, yep. And while I say that, I, I do want to mention in episode 280 and 281, you did this really cool two-part series, Raising Your Standard. And it was, you can be willing but not able. So I'll link to those in the show notes so people can definitely uh, take a listen to those and carry on this conversation that we're having. Um, You know, just so as we wind this down, you know, see no evil was a reference to uh, a U.S. Anderson book, uh, three magic words that you mentioned in this particular episode. And as we close this out, you mentioned that on the pod before U.S. Anderson's work can be a little controversial in a way. I mean, there's some things that he puts out there that can be a little uh, tricky. Not that that's a bad thing, but um, I love that you brought in U.S. Anderson. This can you explain how maybe flipping through that pages of that book might challenge the way that we that we think for ourselves? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, is that whenever you're reading an author, you're looking at the way that they view life and you're looking at the way that they view business. And they've also come and they've also 
determined a way to think about things or deal with them based on their personality and what's worked for them. Um, so like, you know, each one of these authors that if I recommend or if I, I teach from has their own little bit of flair, uh, what they think and, and, and what they don't think. And the, 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 you know, Anderson is coming from this place of challenging a person's mind based on what, basically what he's saying is that if you see it, you're constructing it, but it doesn't mean that it's there. If you see evil, it's because it's your belief in the evil that you're seeing that's creating it. It's not necessarily there. So if a person's actually reading that and they're thinking to themselves, all of the horrible things that they know about that have happened, and you're saying, see no evil, like don't, don't see it. Yes, a person can be extremely triggered. What if it's actually happened in a person's life? What if you're? What if it's a person who's who's listening to me and they're hearing Anderson through what I'm teaching, and there's something about this the see no evil thing, and they had a loved one that was murdered or killed in the war or something like. It's it can be a very evil. triggering mark. However, this is also one of the places where if you start to understand how these laws work and and what you're doing and moving through in your lifetime to get better, you're going to be confronted with the things that you believe that need to change for you to move forward. If you resist them and you say, I'm done, I'm not doing that without actually understanding what's happening, you are done because it's not going to change because you don't like it, right? So I always tell people, when you get triggered by something, especially when you're learning, right, you get triggered by something. The worst thing that you could do is say, fuck off and walk away. Now, I've come close to that a few times when I was learning. Ask yourself, what do I not yet understand about this that's causing me to be so triggered? Like, go to the ends of the earth to figure out what that is. Because once you understand it, it could be the next big thing that allows you to become aware of an opportunity or uh, springboard into some kind of a quantum leap in what you're doing. You have no idea how that thing's holding you back, but when you understand it, it, it gives you more options in life, not net, not less. Absolutely, and every single person listening to this right now is going to have an opportunity to practice this today yeah. because guarantee you, you're going to be triggered at some point throughout your day. That's true. And instead of walking away, take a moment, take a beat, and think, what do I need to learn in this situation? And you'll be all the better for it. Absolutely. Brilliant, I love it. Well, this has been great. Thanks for coming inside. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.